Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on a kind of gloomy October twenty first, two thousand and twenty. And we are really lucky today because we have a person um, as a guest who I've known for a long time, but the best part is I admire what she does so much. Um, Karen Locker from Solutions for E-Commerce is joining us. Karen, tell us how you started your business and when you started it. Okay. Well, and it's actually an interesting story. Um, So about four or five years ago when ungating was a thing, because you had to fill out the flat files to get approved to sell clothing and shoes on Amazon. Some other categories too, but mostly clothing and shoes. People didn't want to learn how to do spreadsheets. And they're like, Karen, can you do this for me? Yeah, sure. So I started building these, you know, flat files and submitting them and getting the approvals for people. And then as I was working with people, they'd say, Karen, I'm in my, my Amazon store and it says this is suppressed. What does that mean? Well, I don't know. I'll go figure it out. So over time, I slowly started getting all of those kinds of questions. What does this mean? What does this mean? How do I fix this? So I said to the people I was working with, you know, why don't I just charge you a flat fee for a month and I'll go in and fix all of this stuff? And that's how it happened. And actually, three of the people that I started with in 2014 are still with me today. Um, I'm still with you. Yep, you're still with me. You were late 2014, early 2015, I think. Okay. Yeah, when I finally got smart and realized I don't need to do all this myself. <laughs> and that's we can, there's somebody thing. who knows more. That's, that's the hardest thing for any entrepreneur, though, to let go and let somebody else do something. And and some people, honestly, it's a hard time saying, well, I can do it for myself for free. Why do I need to pay somebody to do it? It's like, uh-huh, because your time is much better spent doing other things than fighting with Amazon seller support. I totally, totally agree with you. And that's what I've tried to talk to people in the group about is do what you do best. For me, it's working with my suppliers and finding new products. I do that better than most people I know. You do and you and your team do Amazon stuff way better than I can do far more efficiently. So if I buy back an hour of time by having your team do something, I can make more money doing what I do best. And it's hard for people to understand that. It is. And and the other problem is, too, is there's always these messages, you know, well, just go out and hire a VA and they can do it for you for a couple bucks an hour. Well, yeah. And everybody tells me I shouldn't say this, but yeah, they can. But you have to know absolutely everything that you need them to do so that you can teach them to do it. Because they don't come out of the box knowing everything that needs to be done. Exactly. Um, I don't care what anybody says, what programs they are. I have, so just so people know, I have 18 VAs that work for me. They're my team. They work full-time. They work, most of them work only for me. But I had to train them. I trained the first four. And now we have a process in place that trains the rest of them. But we're still always, because you know, 
especially Amazon. The only thing static on Amazon is change. That's the only constant we have is that it's gonna they're gonna change something. So we change so what, it. What kind of service does services do you offer? So the the biggest service, the most that most of my clients do is the Amazon um, account maintenance, which is basically what we do is we go through your Amazon account twice a week, every single solitary week, and we look for suppressed listings, listing quality alerts or listing enhancements. They keep, you know, they change the name all the time on that one. Um, stranded inventory, and we work on fixing all of those. And if any of your people, you know, deal with Amazon now, they know that fixing stranded and suppressed listings are not as easy as they used to be. Um, it's not just go re-put the information in and it'll all be happy. It's now that you have to open a ticket. Um, we also work with feedback. Once a month we do reconciliations for people that we look back at um, lost, damage, disposed, refunds not returned, and a whole bunch of other stuff. The shipping queue, which you all know, Amazon is taking forever to check things in. Um, and those, And we're kind of a resource for you. If you've got something screwy, with Amazon, you send us the information, you send us the pictures, we open the ticket with Amazon and we go back and forth with them. Yeah, and you know what, I I have decided and it's been, it's been a big relief for me and I think Ron can probably say the same thing because he uses your service too, is that knowing I don't have to do certain things because your team will is it's a really freeing thing so i don't have to worry about shipment reconciliation your team will do it if they need an invoice from me then they will message me and ask for the invoice yep. um, but i don't have to think about it then it's done you know it's done and then i get the report showing you know at the end of the month or the the pre for the previous month about how much you got back in shipping queue reimbursements uh refund all that kind of stuff you get a yeah. report for it and i have to say i love not having to think about it and, and in all honesty that's one of those things that is getting much more difficult and is not as simple as it used to be where you know you used to be able to go into your shipment and you would click the little reconcile button and either missing please research or um you know the unexpected extras please research right it's not that easy anymore because Amazon is literally coming back and telling people they're shipping empty boxes. So, yeah, you know, you've got a few of those in the group. Yep. So you have to go round and round and sometimes you can't win them with them. That's that's the other thing that I always like to to be real clear with people. We do what we can. We try as best we can to get them to honor their seller agreement with us, but the other pro, you know, with the sellers but part of the problem is they are the ultimate arbitra arbitrator. They decide, you know, if they say you shipped an empty box and they tell you they've counted twice and you've shipped an empty box, it's going to be really hard to convince them that you didn't ship an empty box. Um, yeah, it's insane, isn't it? Just yeah, insane. and you can't open a bunch of cases because then they get, they what they basically do is they'll give you a policy violation for a misuse of the case system. So, so we work yeah. really to stay within the bounds of Amazon's expectations is the easiest way I can put that. Um, yeah, and I think that's a worry for people that are you guys going to push so far that it endangers my, your account? And I can tell once in a while I go back and look at the messages. I pretty much try to just stay out of the stuff you do. 
And I don't even look at the cases you open or anything because I have trust in you and your team. Once in a while, I'll just pop in and look at something. And, yeah, there's, there's push to make a point, but there's not push where you'll piss off Amazon and get one of those misuse things. Well, and, and the reality is is that Amazon can shut me down just as much as they can shut you guys down. Um, I've worked with, and you've been around long enough, you've know, you know companies that have come and gone because they didn't work within Amazon. And they, they wouldn't answer. Um, there was a big thing a couple of years ago about reimbursement services, and Amazon decided somewhere in their TOS that reimbursement services aren't allowed. Still haven't found that. Um, but what yeah, happened... Yeah, even though it's not written, it's there implied. Yep. So we, that's why one of the things I tell people, we're not a reimbursement service. We are an account support service for you that happens to do refunds. Um, but there were three or four people I know that got shut down because they were a reimbursement service and Amazon shut them down. There was a um, oh, there was another reply company. No, it was a reconciliation company that got shut down because they found a, quote, more efficient way to open cases with Amazon by not going through Amazon system. And it's like, but that wasn't more efficient for Amazon. And when you've, I've been on the platform since 2009. I know you've been on there even longer. When you've been on the platform a long time, you can also understand, you may not agree with it, but you can understand some of the thought process behind Amazon. If you've got people that come in, because originally when reimbursements came out, people would go and they'd go to their um, loss report and they'd download it and they'd send it to Amazon and said, this is all lost, reimburse me. Well, that's a, they, you know, they didn't reconcile themselves. That's a lot more work for Amazon. It opened a ton more cases and Amazon got annoyed. As a business owner, if somebody... Now, I I remember when people were recommending you do that, not even researching yourself, just send it all in and let Amazon do the legwork. Yeah, and that's when Amazon started shutting down all of these people. And so we actually reconcile. And we may not, so what I tell people is we may not find every dime, but we have at least reconciled it. And very seldom do we open a case that Amazon is going to tell us that we didn't reconcile. Um, so that's one of the things we do. So we work within Amazon. Um, a lot of things are trickier ever since Brand Registry 2.0, and they've started really reinforcing that. That's made making any change much more difficult. But we work yeah, with it. I, I had an issue come up. I sell knitting needles, and someone changed the brand on a very well-known brand of knitting needles to Everpest Pest Control. Yep. And I didn't have any inventory in there um, at the time because it was inbound. So Amazon wouldn't change it back. So I had to go around and I reported listing abuse on it um, is the only way I could. And they actually responded to it that they, they fixed it back. So whoever changed it to try to get around whatever, um, it's ridiculous. Well, that's and a big thing. Yeah, and what happens is there's some brands that'll come in, and, and I don't know. Everybody says they're Chinese sellers. I don't know where they come from. But there's people that come in, they find all the five-star reviewed products, and they corrupt all the listings to be pesticide or cell phone cases. Those are the two. And then somehow in the process of all of that, their brands are brand registered, so you can't get the ASINs changed back to what they were because yeah. you know, a brand-registered listing. Love that one. Yeah. It's, it's, it is amazing 
if people would use the devious minds to actually do business um, um, in a way that made sense, you know, that was on the up and up, um, it would be better. I'm going to unmute Ron for a second because he had an issue happen like that, and he can talk a bit about it so we can learn from it. Hang on. Oh, he can't get off his the phone and record and talk. So, okay. Okay, sorry. Anyway, he had a listing that they did that. They hijacked him in that way, a whole product line, and it was a nightmare. It's just it I, it, it's just amazing that, you know, things can get changed so badly, yet you can't um, get logical things fixed back. And, you know, there's that whole case going on um, that um, – some people who are well-known influencers in the Amazon committee um, were indicted for yep. doing less than honorable things on, you know, and part of that was hijacking listings like that and messing them up, which is just a shame. So anyway, so yeah, I, I think your business is brilliant because it just takes some worry off of me, but I'm going to jump into some of the questions um, that we got from group members because some of them, you know, we're just, we kind of want to know, and you're in the trenches and you deal with this every single day. So mm-hmm. if you're going to like rest, request reimbursements yourself, how many cases can you open in one day without getting on Amazon's bad side? I wouldn't open more than, honestly, I wouldn't open more than two or three. Um, I think my team does up to five, but they, they know not to do too many at once either. And if you stay up on it on a monthly basis, so we tend to go, we tend to work 60 days behind to give that 45 day window for returns to come back. Um, and we'll open the, you know, probably four or five at a time, but that's the most we have to because we keep up on that. Um, okay. That would be my suggestion with that. So when you're asking for reimbursement, do you do one ASIN per case? Five. Amazon likes five. Amazon likes factors of five. If no matter what kind of case you're opening, if you have like Ron's product line, if there were 20 ASINs involved, he could order open four cases with five ASINs in each. They just like for some reason they like that number. Okay, okay, so that makes sense. And the same thing with the shipping queue uh, reconciliation. I love it when I wake up in the morning and there's like 20 emails that obviously your team has done what they they need to do and you know when they say you didn't send in enough items well i can't remember the exact wording but amazon is saying yeah our, we were wrong we you know we fixed it back you were right kind of yeah. thing and um same kind of thing i love to get those because i know your team has done it i haven't had to do it and i know i send in the right amount i get it from the wholesaler and it goes right back out i ship to one fc so we know it's amazon's issue you know exactly but and it's yeah, it's crazy. It is, you know, it is. And, you know, you can only think that it's some uh, low-level, poorly trained employee checking things in who is not doing their job properly, you know. Yeah. But then you have to prove that you're right, that, that you know, your business is correct. It's not Amazon anyway. So I just love getting those things when, yeah, you know, I'll get a few of them that's all one of the, That's one of the trickiest things for me is I hate that in Amazon's echo, ecosystem, you are guilty until you prove you're innocent. Um, yeah. 
you know, and that's what it is with everything. And one of the things that we also look at is we'll look at virtual overages. And the reason why is because Amazon is famous for creating virtual overages. They overcount instead of undercount. And most people only yeah, worry so about overages. Why does that happen? So Amazon miscounts and they overcount. Okay. So we had somebody had like an $800 item that they sent one in and Amazon counted two. What, what, so what should they do in that case? Open a case. And the reason why, so there's a couple of different factors going on here. Because most people don't worry about the overages. They only worry about the shortages. But there's a couple of reasons. Number one, if you make a bundle, if you're a person that makes sells bundles or multi-packs of something, and Amazon counts in more than you sent, they probably broke apart your bundle or your multi-pack and messed you up. So you need to pay attention. Yeah, I've had that happen. Yeah. So that's one reason to pay attention to overages. Two, Amazon's going to charge you storage on virtual overages. So they're going to charge you fees on something that doesn't exist. Third reason is because Amazon offsets shortages with overages. So if you send in a $20 teapot and Amazon says you sent in two $20 teapots, and then the next week you send in a $400 printer and Amazon says you sent in one $400 printer, Amazon will offset the shortage of the printer with the teapot. You're kidding. I nope. had no idea. Yep. If they, they offset overages and shortages by, not by ASIN, not by anything except shipments. Okay. My and jaw is like on the floor right now. <laughs> I had no idea. Yep. And I've seen people just like, just like, you know, people that sell, um, oh, food that it has expiration dates, thinks that Amazon's warehouse does first in, first out. And they don't always. Um, there's a lot of things that we just assume is good business practices. So a lot of people don't want the virtual overages fixed because they'll get the money for when they sell what they didn't have. The problem is that Amazon will yeah. eventually figure out you didn't have it and take it back. <laughs> okay. Okay. So good to know. Cause that was a big question in the group this week is should we open a case for that or not? Because they sold the two things. So they yes. sent one in, two of them sold. So now what's going to happen? Eventually, Amazon will realize they didn't have a second one to send, right? Exactly. Eventually, Amazon will do their own reconciliation of inventory. My other favorite thing is always when they reimburse you for missing items or lost items with something from their holding account, which I can't figure out where those are coming from in the first place, but... You know, they lost one of your something and they instead of reimbursing you money, they reimburse you with the item. Well, where did the item come from? Because. Yeah, exactly. Especially if it's like your own bundle that only you sell and create. Well, where did they get it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that I always question, too, and you'll see this. And unfortunately, we can't win this particular battle. You'll have an item and you're stranded. And it's defective or unfulfillables, and it's defective. It's never been sold, so it's not a refund, you know, refund situation. It's not a customer damage, it's defective. How did something that was sitting in Amazon's warehouse that never went out to anybody get defective that's not damaged? And how do they know it's defective? That's a very good point, because if it was warehouse damage, it would say warehouse damaged. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
but sure. it'll just and, and yeah. I for the life of me in the five years I've been doing this cannot get an answer on how that something that never sold can be defective and if it's expired yeah, they they'll say expired yeah Mm -hmm. The thing about Amazon that I find frustrating is kind of this type A organized logical thinker that when you try to apply too much logic, you won't get anywhere. And this is a case where it's what is the logic? How do they know it's defective? You know, but you'll never get an answer. I totally get it. And you'll never get reimbursed for it. You'll just have to bring it back and look at it and see there's absolutely nothing wrong with it and send it back in. I mean, that's the bottom. And that's why I have... I have tried to, to coach people and realize it myself because I take this so personally and that's a bad thing to do, is you have to allow a certain percentage of sales and inventory that's going to get screwed up and you mm-hmm. can do nothing about it. Nope. Meaning customers lie, things don't get returned and Amazon still won't reimburse you. This kind of thing happens. There, There is this kind of... It's the shoplifting part of Amazon, I kind of think. It's like if you had a brick-and-mortar store, you're going to have shrinkage in the form of shoplifting. So this is Amazon shoplifting kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, so with people that we work with, um, to give you a couple of other ideas and stuff, one of the things that if you get a return back from Amazon, you know, your unfulfillables come back, and you had sent in a brand-new set of knitting needles, and you got back these ancient ones that haven't been sold in 20 years, you can open a case for that and kind of fight with Amazon that even though they say it's customer damage, it's really not. It's theft. The Which, first, time yeah. open, first time we open a case on these, every time Amazon says no. Then we have to go back and say, you know, because first we always say very nicely, it looks like the buyer accidentally sent back the wrong thing. You, you and I both know they didn't. But then we eventually right. have to get to, no, it's theft. The buyer stole my new product and gave me back this old crappy product. Um, and eventually, some of those we can get reimbursed. Um, the other thing I tell people, and we all are trained to do excellent customer service, right? If a buyer sends us a message complaining about our product, we want to go make them right right away. We want to reimburse them and fix it, right? Correct. Don't. Never, ever issue your own refunds on Amazon unless it's something that could potentially cause you a different kind of problem. Like if you sell wholesale um, supplements, which a lot of people sell, and the buyer comes back and complains that they didn't feel safe because there was no safety seal on it, go ahead and reimburse them for it. Refund them. Don't tell them to return it. Whatever you need to do. If a buyer buys anything else and complains about it, don't reimburse them because what happens is when we try to get reimbursement for and they never return it, and we try to get reimbursement for it, Amazon will not reimburse because they didn't issue the refund. Okay, you came right on my next question on the list. That's when you will get a message, we don't reimburse for refunds issued by non-Amazon entities. Yes. Is that right? Yep, that means Ah. you reimbursed it. But, but, Ah, But here's a caveat to that. They also tend to use that just for the heck of it, and it's not always true. So my team has now created a new template that we push back on that says we can't find that we reimburse this in our records and make them prove it. And when we ask them to prove it, they have been lately backing down and giving us the reimbursements. Okay. Okay. But that's what that's it is. What I, you reimburse. Yeah. yeah. I had I had not experienced that, but a group member did, and so I didn't know the answer. I don't. I said I don't know what this means. So thank you for clearing that up for yeah. us. 
That's exact. You pay Amazon FBA the extra fees to do the customer service. If a buyer calls, emails you in the buyer messages complaining about whatever with the product, the polite and correct way is to send them back to Amazon saying, you know, I'm sorry that this happened to you. All the nice things that you want to say to acknowledge their pain, but send them back to Amazon. And you say, because Amazon shipped the merchandise, they handle all the refunds and replacements. So please contact them. Exactly. And there's a template in the group that says that nicely, where you acknowledge it in the first paragraph. And because Amazon handles all our fulfillment and billing, you know, please contact them and have phone numbers and how to get to them and all that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And so then the other that cleared up a big one. Yes. And then the other thing with that, too, is, you know, when you get that I never, you know, the grumpy people that I never received it, it never got sent, send me a new one, whatever they're selling. You know, those two, Amazon took away the ability to see the tracking now. So you have to send them back to Amazon and say, you know, the way one of my clients taught me is we've Amazon values your privacy and they don't give us your tracking information. That's a very <laughs> good way to put it. I'm going to yeah. add that to the template uh, for the late shipping ones. Um, because, yeah, it used to be we could track and see where it was, you know, and, and help yeah. them. But now we're like our hands are tied. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that is exactly what that it was not even funded by an And even I don't know if you have people that do merchant filled, but even merchant filled, let it go, especially when you get it back and it's not the right thing. Don't refund it. Let Amazon refund it. And then you can file the safety claim to get your money back if they sent you back, not what you sent them. OK, got it. I don't know if you so, have anybody have you that is merchant filled. Yeah, we're having more. We've had more this year. I'm doing more merchant fulfilled than I've ever done. Um, lots of group members have realized that to to survive, we have to. You know. Yep. Um, so, are, have you had any luck getting refunds for the delivered late by carrier or reimbursements for those delivered late by carrier? And refunds? it depends because we what we have to do. So when it's delivered late from by carrier, they should be reimbursing it. And we do look at it. I would have to look at a specific, you know, go back and track through a specific report and see. Um, but Amazon makes us wait the 45 days. No matter what it is, we have to wait 45 days from the day that the refund was issued before we can say anything. Because some of the refunds delivered late by carrier, the buyer does return them. Sometimes they don't. So we, after the 45 days, that's when we open the case. I do have to say that in some places, Amazon is getting better at doing the reimbursements themselves too. We're not having to chase as many um, because they do have their system in place. So that's what I can specifically say is that we have to wait 45 days to do it. And generally Amazon is reimbursing for those. Okay, Whether that's it. It's only yeah. right. I mean, you know, yeah. but uh, we know that whether Amazon doesn't always work that way. Exactly. And whether it's through the cases we're opening or they're doing it on their own, because like the reports we generate, like you get, Char, are, you know, none of them are. Um, we don't include what Amazon is reimbursed on their own. We only include what we found and what we do. Oh, I did. OK. I didn't realize. So the assumption then could be that I've gotten back more than is on exactly. your report are only showing the stuff you had to open cases to get me back. Exactly. 
Oh, now, okay. That's you can give me some feedback if you think I should be including everything that Amazon's reimbursed. We can always revisit that. And, you know, I, I, I hesitate to look, to ask for more data when I don't think it would change how I operate my business. Exactly. You know, it's just more work on your team. It wouldn't change how I do anything. So I'm hesitant to say I really need it. You know, well, I, I, I look at your report is what I want to look. Is it? Am I getting more back than I'm paying you for your service? And I can tell you every month the answer has been yes. So that's that's my criteria. I don't and even think about how many hours of aggravation I've saved, which is like even worth even more than the money part. And and that's the funny thing. And, and it's funny because I used to be able to guarantee that we'd get back more than people pay in fees a month to us. I can't anymore. But because Amazon will tell you you sent an empty box and Amazon will tell you all sorts of other silly things. But I can say that we give you back much more time than having to deal with arguing with seller support than anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can have cases going for months. For months. Yeah, so I have another question from a group member, which kind of relates to this thing that you guys take off our plate. Um, I'll read the question in, instead of paraphrasing. It says, how do you actually get help or resolve an issue when opening cation and the men menu, you know, that new menu thing, leads to an automated dead end? So you don't know where to go to actually ask a question for help. So I tend to use the, um, usually when you go through the menu, and I'll be honest, we open probably 400 cases a month, but I don't open very many at all. Um, generally, I find whatever one gives you the ability to just say something else. Like when we not, when we want to open an inventory, a category report, and I'm going to go into my own seller central while we're talking just to kind of see. Um, one of the reports that I ask for a lot is a category inventory report by category, which I don't know if your people all know about this one or not. But it's something you can only get if you request from Amazon. So what I have to do is I have to go into the inventory and then I go into and ultimately, even when you go to the tree, what do you mean? Oh. Um, even when you go into the tree, ultimately, there's always somewhere where you can find some kind of answer. So you just have to poke around to figure you just out. Poke around. Where, yeah. Like that one I had yesterday, I ended up because I didn't, I went through the, you know, the fix a product page because I had no inventory in there. I couldn't. So I went through the report listing abuse because it was. Yeah. Someone had changed, changed the brand name to put it in the pesticide category. Exactly. Really, I was immaterial because I'm approved in that. So that was okay. I went through that test. But it's deceptive to the buyer if they see, well, brand name, Everpest Pest Control. They were trying to get other people off the listing, I'm sure, you know. Yeah, so the, other thing, the other thing you can do is if you go on to that new thing where at the top it says request customer feedback and all these easy fixes, there is actually, if you go down to the bottom, it says seller forums, need more help. And you can just click the get support, which will bring you to selling on Amazon. You describe your issue. Um, and eventually you can just keep arguing with them through this, that it should get you to where you want to go. Everything they're trying to make more automated is definitely more difficult than it was in the past. Yes. Yes. 
And I, I have tried to understand the logic between not, you can't fix a listing um, unless you have inventory, but why would you send in inventory if the listing is wrong? You know, yeah. that kind of circular logic, because I won't, if I see the listings wrong, I don't want to send it in until, because there's no guarantee I can get it fixed, you know? And that's one of the trickiest things of all, is you cannot guarantee you can get them fixed. Yeah. Um, and I have, I have to admit, I have quit selling some things because I quit beating my head up against the wall trying to get it fixed and just said, this is not worth it at this point. No. And the the um, best thing is to have brand registry, um, to be an authorized seller for you. If you have a good relationship with the brands that you sell to get that kind of brand registry, that's usually the best way to get things resolved. But even then you can go round and I have some cases that are just getting resolved from August that are listing fixes for a person that is brand registered. That is brand does have brand registry access. It's just crazy. And it's still taken that long. That's crazy. That it's is crazy, crazy. You know, nothing yeah, is simple anymore. So, so what can you do when you get in one of these copy and paste cycles with Amazon, where they keep copying and pasting an answer that has nothing to do with the question you've asked? I've gotten in them, um, yes. and my solution has been, and it may not be the right one, is just give up on that and try again with a brand new case because yes. they seem to have get in the cycle where they don't even read your question, just paste something, I'm done, move on. And then you ask, yeah. no, please read the question, pay, you know, give me the answer to my question. They paste the same crap in again. Yeah. And then you ask for escalation. A lot of times I'll ask for escalation. That's usually my first thing. If I can't get anywhere with escalation, then what I will usually do is I'll just close it and open a new case. And if it's something that's really inane that just needs to be fixed, I'll, I'll break down and call. I try not to call. Um, you sound like me. <laughs> well, for us, for us to call, I would need to know the last four of the bank or credit card on file with all of my clients, which mm -hmm. I don't want to know. Number two, mm -hmm. I have never had a phone call go under two hours because by the time I break down and call, whatever problem I have is not simple. Um, I have one call I had. Uh, do you remember, Shar, when um, jewelry became, if you sold major brands, you had to add the UPC codes to all of the made, because jewelry used to always be individual listings. Nobody piggybacked. Correct. Yeah. And then Correct. about three years ago, they decided that, no, they need to be one listing per major brand for each UPC code. So you never put UPC codes in. So we were putting UPC codes in for this, ven this vendor that now no longer sells on Amazon. And what would happen is retail had made a listing and we had made a listing and we had them in FBA. And when we put the UPC code in, it kept flipping back and forth between two different ASINs. <laughs> so I could never get oh. it because I couldn't get the wording to match exactly. So I called six transfers and 25 cases later, we were able to fix it because I had to have them remap all the FBA inventory to the new ASINs. So That's crazy. listings can get attributed to two different ASINs. Um, it's a pain. You know, another time I was doing a listing for somebody and it wasn't playing nice because I was getting the five, six, four, one error or whatever that one is that the brand doesn't match. And I called finally because I was tired of fighting with it. And I said, I need to be escalated to the catalog team because I knew it was a catalog issue. 
And the guy's like, no, 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 I can help you with my internal tools. No, 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 you can't <laughs> because you can't. Um, wouldn't escalate it. You know, I hang up after doing all the things that I knew wouldn't work. And I just wrote in very nicely in the case, you know, thank you. But thank you for being no help. <laughs> <laughs> I got an email. I got a message back from the catalog team right afterwards that I was exactly right. The problem is, is my parent child couldn't go together anymore because the brands didn't match all the things that I knew was an issue. Yeah. So, you know, every once in a while, you do have to just say uh, no. Um, but it's crazy. And the part of the problem is when you get first tier seller support and you're getting the Philippines or India, I know for a fact that Philippines, they have to follow a script. They're not supposed to think outside the box. So, okay. I didn't get, realize that. Yeah. So when you get those scripted answers, that's because that's what their job is to give you scripted answers. And um, I'm so having a weird... Echo. Echo, Echo now. So give me a second to. Um, um, Karen, I'm going to ask you another question while I try while to I fix try this, to, and this is, this terrible. is terrible. So, so tell me about your service about changing Amazon or eBay lists, Amazon listings to eBay. Okay. So basically, in my world, so I've been. Just so you guys know, I've been selling on eBay since 08, Amazon on 09, working with other sellers since that long. And we work with some other websites. But basically, a listing is a listing wherever it goes. So if you have an Amazon listing and you want to put it on eBay, and eBay does have you know, its own niche buyers, and eBay buyers do not cross over to Amazon and vice versa for a lot of them. So... What we do is we can just take whatever ASINs you want us to do on Amazon. We can go over into your eBay. We can um, create draft listings because we don't want to copy them exactly word for word exactly. We may want to make a tweak or two. Um, because you guys are all wholesale, you're lucky because you actually probably have the rights to use the, the manufacturer's images. People that do RA, it's a little trickier because you don't always have the right to the manufacturer's images and you will get in trouble on eBay. So we'll just take all the stuff and we'll just put it in eBay. Um, we leave it as a draft so you can look at it because your pricing may want to be different on eBay. Your, um, you know, There may be certain things you want to point out. You may want a different picture as the main one. So we create it as a draft. We tell you when the drafts are ready. So you can look at them, not look at them. And then once you're ready, you just tell us and we can go push them and make them live. Part of the reason, um, uh, go ahead. I've used your service a lot for this. I didn't know you did it for a long time. And it's brilliant because I send the, the ASIN. It comes back the next day, morning usually because of the time difference and it's ready to go. And I think it's a really, really valuable service. Yeah, and it's it's an, it's not a hard thing for us to do. I mean, we do have to make some tweaks, and now, obviously, as everybody knows, eBay is adding new items, specifics, and stuff that we may have to track down from the Amazon side. But it's always good to have your places, your items in more than one place, because um, as you all know, you should never have your items in one basket, because eBay and Amazon basically own your business when you're on their platforms. Um, you know, so it's always good to have the two. 
and we have some people that we actually take their stuff and we put it on eBay, Amazon, Shopify, eBay, Amazon, Walmart, um, wherever they're selling. It's basically it's an upload. We just have to create the templates in the right field or in eBay's case, since I don't like their file exchange because it's a clunky mess. <laughs> um, we tend to just build it right in the draft. Ah, okay. So you can pretty much say I have a, a an eBay store that I want put all on on Shopify. Your team could do that. Yeah, if you have a and if you have a Shopify store, and over the right. last couple of years, I've built a couple of Shopify stores, so I know how to you know if you're going to add a new product, I know how to do the navigation and stuff. My team doesn't, but I do. Um, I haven't taught my mm -hmm. team. That. So, yeah, a lot of that kind of stuff. If you want to sell, I had somebody reached out to me the other day that want to sell in big commerce. Like, okay, well, I've been in there, haven't used it in a lot of years because the person I had moved to Shopify. But, yeah, it's just a spreadsheet it, or it's just an upload. So we can just adapt. We just That's take that and we adapt it. Um, and well, fight. Just an upload, yeah. If you know what you're doing, it's just an upload. You know? Oh, yeah, that's I right. touch I you. You hate spreadsheets. <laughs> I forgot so I was That's why we have you. So I have another question from a group member. Um, they want to know if your services are offered on an a la carte basis. Like if you don't want all of your, the whole account management, could you just do like fixing suppressed listings for someone? Or do you have to do the whole the whole menu or can you pick and choose pieces? So for years, I always said to not mess with my own business process. I don't want to offer a la carte because my team knows that they go into an account, they do X, Y, Z, A, B, C. However, my team has now been with me anywhere from one to five years. They can handle bits and pieces better. You know, when you have new staff and you're training, the last thing you want to do is create, well, on this account only do this and on that account only, no. But now that my team has been with me so long, we actually do do customized packages for people. Um, depends upon what they need. I have some people that we actually answer their buyer messages for eBay, Amazon, Shopify, or wherever. Um, you know, so we, we do do customized packages at this point in time. So if somebody wants to talk okay, to me. great. And things like suppressed listings, if it's just fixing a suppressed, and I say that like it's so simple and I know it's not. If it's just fixing a suppressed yeah. listing, <laughs> um, you know, they can buy a listing package. And generally what we do is whatever package we, we usually, unless it gets really complicated, we usually charge a two for one. So like one of my listing packages is 100 listings for 329. So if you wanted us to just fix suppressed, that would basically cover 200 unless, wow. you know, there was one really tricky one that took 4,000 cases, then we might have to make that a full price one. Right. But it's nice that there's a lot of flexibility involved. Yeah, just I to try get to what needs undone. Well, yeah, yeah that's the whole point is, is, you know, we need you um, to do the stuff that is, I don't, yeah, tedious is not the right word. It's stressful. I, I know doing what you guys, your team does is stressful, you know, um, but it has to be done. And so exactly. offering parts that is the worst for us is, a, you know, it's a great thing. 
Um, I have two questions that came in through Ron via text because because a member couldn't get into the chat, um, which is you know not unusual for talk shows for things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the main issues you've been seeing with accounts in the past, um, say six months or so? A lot of brand registry stuff. Lots and lots of, because now whenever you want to change something on a page, it now goes to brand registry, which comes back. Um, That's one thing I'm seeing. Another thing that's popped up recently, again, it happened about a year ago and it's now happening again, is pesticides. Gotta love those pesticide devices. Um, Anything that says it's antimicrobial, anti-germ, antibacterial is going to get hit with that it needs a pesticide device EPA number. That is the thing. So if you sell a pair of, I have lots of people that sell shoes. You sell a pair of shoes that has an antimicrobial insole, it's going to get tagged Mm -hmm. as a pesticide device. That Now, a year ago, you could watch the stupid pesticide course, which I will tell you I watched twice. Once for me, I did. Um, that's not the answer now. Now they want an EPA registration number. So what was interesting is I was Googling about clothing and EPA and claims. And I found this order of the United States EPA versus Amazon <laughs> to remove anything that had false claims of antibacterial, antimicrobial. Hence, that is where this is all coming from. It was from last year, but they have to update it every 30 days. So that hmm. was interesting. Now we know why Amazon is doing it, because there is an EPA order to them that they have to do this. So they're not doing it just to make our life miserable. They're protecting themselves. As, yes, and somebody at the EPA is doing it to make our lives miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, and I had something come up. Oh, I had a, a rubber stamp that was of a dragonfly come up as it's a pesticide thing. And uh, that wasn't fun to get fixed. No, don't tell me that because I just bought a rubber stamp business and that's not going to be pretty when I have to figure this out. I know you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it did eventually get fixed. I'll tell you that. So that's a good thing. And this is an account where... I managed the brand registry for the brand and I'm the only seller of it and I sold it for years and then all of a sudden it came up as pesticide. Yeah, I have somebody, yeah exactly. I have somebody that sells hot pepper bird food that has a warning, you know, be careful touching your, you know, the bird food you put the hot pepper on so the squirrels won't eat it. And so they have a oh, warning, know. you know, and that one got tagged pesticides. Don't ask. Oh, geez. So that's some squirrel here. So, ah, God, little rodents, squirrels and chipmunks, they devour. We, we have moose in the yard, but no squirrels. Um, I got bears. We have, we, have, um, we have like prairie dogs and those kind of things, but not the squirrels that get into the bird feeders or anything, you know. So, um, my biggest bird so feeder another, is there. I've seen stuff on like Shark Tank trying to solve the squirrel getting into bird feeder problem, you know. So it's a big it issue. It anyway, is. I have yes. another another question that came in via text. It says, what wording and presentation can we make when we see they checked in one shipment with the MSKU missing units that you know you sent, 
but another shipping shipment where you have additional sh- uh, units that you didn't sh- ship extra. Does that make sense? So they checked in one that you send 10 more of unit A, and they checked in another box that you send 10 less of unit A. Amazon will ultimately offset that themselves. Um, why they did it, I don't, you know, how that happens, I don't know, because they're supposed to be doing box by box. Um, I right. would say that I would just say, I would just put both shipment IDs in and just say, you know, you over you overcounted in this shipment and you undercounted in that. And yeah, I always include more information than necessary. So basically FBA shipment, FBA blank, blank, blank shows an overage of 10, but blank, blank, blank shows a shortage of 10. Um, we didn't have this product in that second box or whatever you want. But that's one of those cases okay. where actually Amazon's offsets will ultimately work out in your favor. Okay. Um, okay. That's- the other thing that we never do is, you know, where you get that problem in the shipment, the big red warning flag. My team has been trained mm-hmm. never ever just acknowledge it. Always ask to be investigated unless you know for a fact that you made a mistake because Amazon will count that against your inbound metrics when you just acknowledge it. Okay, good. So so that's good to know that your team's aware of that. I mean, and when I get, I see that come up, I try not to look at it because I know your team is doing those and I try not to, but sometimes you see it when you're sending in another shipment, you know, it's there. And um, I know I'm sending the right numbers. I know I'm right because it is coming in one, the same, it's going out in the same box it's coming in and then I ship to one warehouse. Yeah. So, you know, there's nothing left on the office floor at the end of the day. So the numbers are right. It's just that they're not counting right. It's not counting. Unless your supplier is miscounting when they send it to you. Well, no, because I actually, I label everything. So I, uh, yeah. you know, I do. Now, yeah, does so everything work with does everybody you work with all label everything or do some people do commingled? I don't think anybody does commingled. I'm gonna okay. go out on a limb that I don't think anybody in the group does. Because commingled is not a smart thing. Um all sorts of problems can happen with that. It was funny, I was in a group somewhere and I saw a message, how can I stop getting two different shipments to the same warehouse. And I looked at it and it's like, well, you could stop commingling because one shipment is stickered and one isn't, and they won't combine those in one shipment. Um, but I didn't say that. I just shut up and moved on. Yeah. And it used to be people wanted to do commingle because it would, it would remove a lot of defects and feedback if, cause it was commingled. You know, there was that whole issue probably five years ago about, yeah, commingle cause then you won't get hit with the defects and all that. Cause it is commingle. Well, I don't think that's true anymore either. And then the other problem with it too, and I'll just say this cause I had a seller two years ago and he, he was yelling at me, blaming my team that a whole bunch of his stuff sold at real cheap prices. Well, he commingled didn't delete when he marked down at the end of Christmas season, the previous year, he didn't delete those listings. So when you send your commingled inventory in the FN SKU is the ASIN. So any, uh, any M SKU that you have with that ASIN is the FN SKU the inventory gets applied to. So if you had a clearance listing at the end of last year, and then you have your brand new listing, yeah. your new SKUs, it's going to sell at the clearance prices. It's like, no, you don't do yeah, I'm not good. Yet, a, yet another reason not to commingle. I mean, I've, I've said it from day one, don't commingle. But, you know, um, 
Um, and a lot of our sellers are doing, um, I wouldn't even call it private label because it's more custom manufacturing for them. You know, it's yeah. not like they're buying stuff that a lot of people could, it's custom made for them and there's no UPCs on them. So then you, you know, what are you going to do? So and that, um, that, speaking of, you asked me issues that I'm seeing. So, you know, for years when you made a bundle or you made your own product and you'd put it as your brand as your brand, right? So mm -hmm. you could put, I use challenge coin bazaar. You would use purveyor of all things creative as the brand. Well, now Amazon comes back with, they don't recognize that brand. So you can go, a lot of people, they'll start with, okay, I'm going to put up a new bundle. So I'm going to get a GTI and exemption and they'll put the brand that they want the GTI and exemption on and they'll create the listing and Amazon will come back and say, we don't recognize the brand. You need to have it brand registered. Then somewhere in the little verbiage, it says, if you can't get brand registered, you can apply for a brand exemption. This has become the new thing. So and a lot of people miss that line about the brand exemption and they think they just have to be brand registered. I, so, yeah, I didn't know that. Yes. So, so good. To get the brand exemption, you have to do the exact same silliness that you have to do to get a GTI exemption. You have to take a picture of your item in its packaging, well, at least both sides. They want all four sides or all six sides, but at least two sides. It has to have the manufacturer on the packaging. And they even want addresses now on the packaging, if they can. Um, and you just submit those, and that will get your brand exempted from being a member of brand registry. Because not everybody is going to trademark every brand that they want to sell under right now. Because um, trademarking is expensive. Yeah. So you have to... My, my, my takeaway for anybody is if you're doing bundles, if you're doing your own products, you have to have your own custom packaging created. You may not have to send everything in with the custom packaging, but you have to at least have something so you can submit them to these pictures. Um, and it can be yeah, as simple. I just did a G Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it could be as simple as making a hang tag with two sides. Wow. If you're selling Brilliant. a T-shirt, you'd have a, a hang tag on it. Make a hang tag. Have both sides. And you can do that very inexpensively. Mm -hmm. That's it's not a huge investment. But okay. That this last two minutes was worth the whole podcast, Karen. Seriously. I know people are gonna realize that's so basically you are looking for either brand registry for your brand or this brand exemption. One of two things. You're gonna have to pick your path. Yep. Exactly. Okay. And yeah, because like for my coins, now my coins have been on Amazon because you know I sell military challenge coins. They've been on Amazon right. since 2014, 2000, under my brand. But I'll tell you, I can't get a GTN exemption under my brand unless I send in packaging, even though I've been selling them for six years on the marketplace. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a cardstock and I'm going to create like a fold over that you put over the top of a plastic baggie. And that will be mm -hmm. my package and staple it on a baggie. Yeah. There you go. So it, this all can be done at home with a home printer and some cardstock and all of that. So I think, but I think this is really valuable to know. So we had one really complicated question in the group that we're not going to get to, and that was the one where Kay sent in images and all that. But um, I'm going to ask, Kay to contact you directly about that issue because it's it's too much to get into on a podcast without visuals. But I also want to 
tell everybody else how they can get a hold of you if they want to talk to you about working with their account and all that. So how should they, they contact you? So there's a couple of ways. You can email me at Karen at solutions, the number four, ecommerce.com. Um, if you go to my website, which is solutions for ecommerce.com, same thing, um, always the number four, there is a support button, which will create a ticket and you don't have to be a client to create one. You can just click support and I'll create a ticket, which will go right into my, my staff where we can all monitor it and get back to you. Um, those are the best ways to reach me. I know a lot of people still use Facebook to contact me sometimes. Um, I try to avoid Facebook when I can right now because it's getting to be a downright grumpy yeah. place. Um, yeah. It just, yeah. It makes my blood boil at times. So the best ways is would be to email me or go into my, my ticketing system because either myself or my operations manager, Lois, he'll respond to those within usually within 24 hours. Um, yeah, I found I found your team very responsive um, and very um, client oriented, which is nice because we're so used to dealing with Amazon and we're considered the bad guys. And to have someone like treat you with respect and all that is like really great with Amazon. So I and I've been working with the same few people for a long time. I know, you know, which yeah, we, is great we too. Do not move staff around unless we have to. I, I did have one of my clients had a meltdown because we pulled her from the person she'd been working with for three years, but he was moving to a different role. And I'm like, it's just a change. The person you're getting is wonderful. You'll get probably even better service from this person. Trust me. Um, there so, you yeah. go. Change is hard. People don't so, like change. So I would suggest that if anybody has any questions to contact you, if it's out of your realm, I know you well enough that you'll say it's out of your realm and you can't yep. do it, but it can't hurt to ask um, um, to what to, you know, what you can help with. And I got one last question in from Ron. He messaged me a question and I know why he's asking this. Is it good to open proactive cases? And I'll give you a little background. He has an item where it doesn't have an expiration date on it. It's, it's a craft item, but it doesn't expire. It would last a thousand years. Um, he got a thing from Amazon a few days ago where a customer complained that the item was expired. So should he send Amazon a message saying my stuff doesn't have, there's no expiration dates on this. The manufacturer told me there's no expiration dates. I would. And also if you look in the voice of the customer, which we didn't even get in any of those new fun places. Um, if you look in the voice of the customer, you may actually see an issue with that because a lot of times voice of the customer takes feedback and stuff and puts that there that you are able to actually address directly that particular one too. But yeah, I, okay. I go ahead. They, I noticed I got a message from Jesse that I got a message from this week saying he didn't have access to voice of the customer on my account and could I give him access so he could, you know, follow up on this kind of stuff. So yep. um, Ron just messaged back that his, the items have a manufacturing date and he has a letter from the manufacturer stating the date on the thing is the manufacturing date, not an expiration date. So he should probably proactively send yes. us to Amazon. Because what's going to okay. happen, because somebody said it's expired, 
then Amazon is going to then come back at you and say you're selling items that are expired because in and then you have to prove that they don't have an expiration date. So being proactive. Two things, and I know this was the last question, but two things real quick. So yes, um, we are sending out, my team is not happy with me, but I decided we need to add a little more value. So voice of the customer is something Amazon added probably about a year ago that you guys all should be looking at, really checking it once in a while. I did tell my team that I want them to start offering to check it and just telling you, because basically it looks at what the customer said and some of these things you can't find. I have three that are used, sold as new in my voice of the customer that I don't have a feedback that says that. It is not in my return that it says that. I don't know where, how they got that. but And you can proactively address those when they're in there by submitting invoices and doing different things to get, because as your product hits further and further down that negative on the voice of the customer, you can be at risk of having the um, ASIN suspended. And then that's another whole kettle of fish. The other thing is in your inventory planning, your performance, there's a whole bunch, and I, you probably got information for that too, unless we had access to it. They made it a new button, so there was not user access. We've had to ask people for it. Um, and you'll see all of the different IP violations, suspected IP, that product expiration that he's talking about would be under a product condition complaint in the inventory planning section or could be okay got it so Not ron absolutely. has one other thing he says should he send this letter in the email from amazon to your, your team for correct handling and he put in parentheses i trust your team to get it right the first time yeah you can send it to the person that works on your team and actually ron i have to get with you because amazon has decided to change your password so my team can't get into the way your user account the way that we do it so i need to I'll send you an email in a little while because okay. I'll need a passcode. Um, yeah, and just so, go ahead. No, you finish. You finish. Well, I was just going to say, just so anybody who asks about, because there's always the, am I going to get suspended from having the same person log in? We always use user accounts. I have been, everybody says, you know, you got to get a VPN and all that stuff. Okay. I've been using user accounts since 2009. I have had access in those years to well over 300 accounts. I have never had an account closed down because I have multiple accounts. And I also never, ever, ever log in as the owner of the account's address, even when people right. say, well, I set up a separate name. email for you. That, yes, you, you know, under my domain, you have a separate email that your team logs in with. Yes, I have a set. We have, I have, what I have is I have several email addresses because Amazon only lets 150 user account, 150 Amazon accounts per user account. Ask me how I know this. Um, so we have a couple of different ones that we use that we put people on. Um, I have never run into a problem. My team never has access to the passwords. I share it all to them via LastPass and I got really smart so we don't have to deal with us authentication codes. We use the Google Authenticator, so the codes go right to everybody's cell phone, so they don't have to call me at 2 o'clock in the morning to tell me they can't get into an account because they need an OTC. Wonderful right, thing. Yeah. Thing. It's, it's slick, and I, I'm very, very happy with your team's work. It is, it is makes the whole Amazon thing less stressful for me, so I'm going to you – know, the group knows I don't pitch anything I don't use and like, but I'm going to say – if you even have a thought of offloading some of this stuff, 
to someone, at least contact Karen and see what she can do for you. That's, I'm going to leave it right there at that. Um, we've gone way over, and Karen, I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and I appreciate your team very much too, and I hope you'll pass that on to them. And with that, I think we're going to sign off and say bye, everybody. Bye, Karen. Bye-bye. Thanks. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.